Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Tina Traster. Tina is a socially conscious, award-winning journalist, author, and filmmaker. Her 30-minute documentary, This House Matters, is an examination on historic preservation in the Hudson Valley. The film has screened at the Yofi Film Festival, the Kingston Film Festival, the Hoboken International Film Festival, and the Nyack Film Festival. Tina's work has appeared in scores of newspapers, magazines, and literary journals, including the New York Times, the New York Post, Huffington Post, the Daily Beast, the Atlantic, Red Book, Family Circle, Parade, Time Out New York, Audubon, Ski Magazine, and many others. She's the author of the award-winning memoir, Rescuing Julia Twice, A Mother's Tale of Russian Adoption and Overcoming Reactive Attachment Disorder. Since 2006, Tina has written the Burb Appeal column for the New York Post. Tina, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you for having me. Your bio is very interesting. You have an incredible background exploring a wide range of different topics, and it now seems like you're turning to focusing on community cats. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came about? Well, I have a a long career in journalism, and as I've gotten older, I've been able to choose more uh, passionately about what I want to focus on. There's a pattern here that, of course, I've only noticed in retrospect, but that is the last three things I've turned my attention to were the memoir that I wrote, which was about my Russian adopted daughter, historic preservation, which was about historic houses in peril here in the Hudson Valley where I live, and finally cats. What do those three things have in common? The answer is rescue. The answer is advocacy. The answer is topics that they're in plain sight, but many people just don't see them. Uh, That is especially true with feral cat colonies. And it is a problem that those of us on the inside, which I now consider myself to be, understand is an epic situation, an epic problem, but one that most people can go about their day. And it's not that they're ignoring it. It's just that they just don't know about it. After all, the nature of feral cats is to be in places where people don't see them. The common thread, I think, in this part of my career is that I am doing work that matters very deeply to me. So you have embarked on this project for Catnip Nation. Can you tell me a bit about this project and and what you hope for it to become? Catnip Nation is going to be an hour-long documentary, which we hope to distribute to a network maybe PBS, maybe Animal Planet. It is a collection of stories about feral colony caretakers, and it goes deep into their humanity and what drives them. But the larger message for the film is that we have these people in our society who are taking care of feral cats, but begs the question of who's taking care of them. Who is looking out for their protection? Where is the legislation? Why is it so uneven? Why is it so 
precarious and arbitrary and subject to change, as in our Seaside Heights story, which we'll get into later. Why is there not funding? And most importantly, why is there this crazy myth that feral cats are blithely rounded up, taken off to the shelters and adopted when nothing can be farther from the truth? I think those of us who know the feral cat landscape understand that these are cats that largely, not completely, but largely cannot be socialized. In most circumstances, once they're at the shelter, it's a death sentence. These are not cats that can, first of all, they can't thrive in cages for the most part, and they're just not adoptable. While we're telling this story through deep humanity, and our characters are all letting us in on their very complex backgrounds and psyches, and in many cases, probably all. What they all seem to share, what the common thread is, is they themselves have experienced hardship in the past. And what we see, and what is so fascinating to me, because I myself am so interested in the subject, is that when these people work in rescue, they are rescuing themselves. When these people are helping these helpless creatures, they are healing. And that's the beauty of our story. So we're walking a fine balance between telling these beautiful stories and ultimately using the documentary for advocacy to take to town halls, to take to legislators, to talk to people in the animal welfare community and to say, it's all well and good to scrape together here and work there one cat at a time, but it's not really good enough. I think that we need more of a top-down approach. We need to replicate what's going on in places like Washington, D.C. and New York City and have the legislation be clear about how we deal with feral cats. And we also need to educate legislators that TNR is the answer for population control. What legislators never understand is the vacuum effect. This whole fallacy of rounding up the cats and solving the problem, as you know, as we know, is never the answer. There's a lot of education that's needed, and we hope that our documentary can both I use the word entertain, I'm using quotation marks right now, and educate. What we wanted to do actually is to move people. All of the work that I do, whether it's the book I wrote, whether it was This House Matters, it's all designed to put a spotlight on an issue and to motivate people to understand that they have a part in this societal issue, whether it's adoption, whether it's historic preservation. It's actually very gratifying when you see that you can mobilize people to get involved in an issue that they otherwise figured that's somebody else's problem. Right. You've touched on some great points here. One is talking about how they're in plain sight, but you just don't see them. And I find that extremely fascinating. I've talked with quite a few people and they're like, oh, really? I didn't realize there was a problem with community cats or with stray cats or anything like that. And then there's this group of folks, many of these people, I would assume you'll be profiling in this documentary where it just seems like they have this innate ability to know and to understand where these colonies are and this deep desire to help them and assist them in the way that they know, which is to continue to care for them and to get them spayed or neutered and ear tipped and vaccinated. So you touched upon the fact that you would be sharing several stories. How many stories are going to actually be in this documentary? And do you want to touch upon one or two of them just in a little quick summary? We're following a handful of characters. And let me touch on on a couple. 
Ken Salerno, he's one of our heroes. He's in his 70s, and he lives down the shore in New Jersey in a town called Seaside Heights. And that might ring a bell to people because last summer, that town, which had a model ordinance and a model TNR program that was set up by Alicat Allies, was summarily destroyed when a new administration took hold and decided, because they had the ear, I guess, of a handful of squeaky wheels, that no, they no longer wanted their TNR program on the beach, which had involved at least 70 cats and which had, from what the people down there tell me, had stopped the births of new kittens. This created a controversy which I think became well-known in the cat world, and some 10,000 people signed a petition and tried to persuade the new mayor and his administration that they were doing the wrong thing, and town hall meetings were packed, and the opposition was not successful. But Ken Salerno, being the humanitarian that he is, single-handedly removed and relocated 74 beach cats who he had been feeding for years and TNRing for years and was lucky enough to have a sanctuary in New Jersey where he was able to take the cats. The cats have adjusted well and to see the sanctuary is to know that in a sense they've had an upgrade and they are much more protected and better fed and and whatnot. But the story raises a few points. One is we don't have many sanctuaries where you can take 70 cats to. Two, here you have an administration who actually had an ordinance, but shifted in the gust of a wind. And so that was very and remains very unsettling and speaks to why we need stronger laws that are more consistent. And three, and I suppose most interestingly, is Ken himself. I don't want to give too much away about his background, but suffice to say, it's filled with a lot of hardship and a lot of adversity. And he has taken that pain and rechanneled it into the work that he does. So he's a very fascinating character. Interesting. And then you mentioned another story? Bobby Joe Forte has been in the animal rescue world for some time. She herself grew up in dire circumstances, poverty, and also with exposure to animal cruelty. As if that wasn't enough, a couple of years ago, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. What she decided then and there was that she was going to open up and has opened up a cat cafe in the Hudson Valley, which is called Morgan's Cat Cafe, which is named for her young daughter. And that Cat Cafe is not only what keeps her going through this ongoing, I don't know the details specifically about the tumor, but it's not a death sentence at this point. But what she knows is that she has a brain tumor and that the Cat Cafe has been set up as a legacy for her daughter so that her daughter can continue the work that she does. And in fact, Morgan has been rescuing with Bobby Joe and bottle feeding and fostering and working in the cat cafe through her whole young life. The two of them together can really melt you right down into your shoes. They're beautiful people and it's another beautiful story. And her cat cafe is very charming. It's in Red Hook, New York, which is upstate New York. Those are just two examples of the people who are the force behind the management of community cats. 
If you like the Community Cats podcast and would like to help promote Community Cats in your state, then we need you. We're looking for a couple of people from each state to be Community Cats ambassadors. What do you get by being an ambassador? You'll be mailed a promo kit of items to use to help promote the show at any event that you attend in your state. If you don't attend many events, hey, that's okay too. Do you have a network of people that love community cats? You can help with emailing groups in your state to let them know about the CCP and offer them the benefit of community cat swag. The more we can spread the word about the show, the more we can do to help cats across the country. Please email Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com if you'd like to represent your state. Thank you. Are you new to the Community Cats podcast? Don't know what to listen to first? Feel free to check out the listening module tab where we have grouped shows together by topic so you can listen to a bunch of shows around the same topic. Just click on the listening module tab at www.communitycatspodcast.com and enjoy learning about community cats. I went to Vassar College in Poughkeepsie, New York, so it's sort of in that general region. So I'm glad to hear there's a cat cafe there. That's great. It's the first one in the Hudson Valley, I should add. So this project is seeking funding. Can you tell us a bit about your funding goals and and how folks might be able to uh, participate in that? We've been filming now for about a year and a half. And right now we're in a phase where we're trying to raise $6,000 to complete all of our filming. We figure that we have about another 12 shoots left to go, and then we will move into the the editing stage. So right now we're seeking to raise $6,000 on a crowdfunding site called Seed and Spark, which is oriented toward filmmakers. I can read out the link. We would so very much appreciate help, $25, $50, or if somebody wants to contribute $1,000, they become an associate producer on the project. The link is www.seedandspark.com slash fund slash catnip dash nation. So that's the link. And that link will also be up on our website, which is catnipnation.com. Also, we have a Facebook page. So, of course, you can follow everything that we're doing on that page as well. This is for finishing up the 12 shoots. Is this for finishing the full project or will there be another round of funding needs or what's the timeline like? We're going to try to seek a grant for post-production because that gets pretty expensive. But right now, this is to just to finish up all the filming and the editing so that we have something that if we want to take around to the networks, We have something to show. We hope to finish up filming by the end of the summer. We hope to be well into editing by mid-2018. And then we'll start to figure out which direction we're going to go in to sell it. The folks that are involved in all of these stories seem to be more focused on people as individuals, not necessarily connected to nonprofit organizations, or are they connected to different TNR groups? Everybody who we're dealing with is connected to various groups. The Sanctuary is a rescue group down in New Jersey that Ken is working with. Bobby Joe also works with rescue groups up in the Hudson Valley. I guess what we're really saying is nobody can go at this alone. It's such a daunting thing. You need to work with veterinarians who do the spay, neuter, and vaccinations at, at a reasonable cost. 
You need to have contacts with people who work in the shelters to make sure that cats are not being brought in and, and euthanized, especially ear-tipped cats. These people, they're not supported enough by our legislators and by community as, as a whole and taxpayer dollars, but they certainly have figured out how to build networks in order to achieve what they try to achieve. They're stressed, and these people take on a lot. You often like wonder for their own mental health. I think that's an important thing to point out. I just think that these people cannot be left out to dry, that they need our support. In a sense, this film is about people as much as it is about cast. Definitely. And it's very hard from my perspective after working in the business for 20 years in working with folks with this sort of mentality, they'll do everything, you know, 24 seven, they're the ones out there trapping at one thirty in the morning. If there's an injured cat out there, they're the first ones out there trying to help that kitty, which is amazing. And it's wonderful, but they also can get themselves into some trouble. It's exhausting. I mean, what they do is absolutely exhausting also, and trying to be help to them and supportive to them is a very fancy dance because as you mentioned earlier in the show, there are some times where this is what keeps them going and helps them get through maybe some of their own personal issues that they've had going on for years and years and years. In Newburyport, when our colonies on the Newburyport waterfront were dying off, and so we have no community cats on the Newburyport waterfront, going from 300 cats down to zero cats in a 10 to 15 year period, it really was interesting how it sort of changed the lives of many of the caretakers because they spent so much time caring and loving for those cats and they ended up dying off or being trapped in and put into hospice care with many of our caretakers. But it was very interesting to see how that relationship formed with people and then they had to sort of face some of their own issues as the colony came to its natural close. Well, congratulations on that result. Thank you. Thank you very much. Tina, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I'll take it back to the beginning. The way this film got started was, I'm going to say, almost on a lark. My film partner and I had finished up This House Matters, and we were sitting around going, what should we do next? And uh, it was one of those paper napkin things where we both love cats. And I said, yeah, we should make a film called This Cat Matters. And we were joking about cat videos and cat obsessiveness. And it all started very lightheartedly. Of course, cats are such a joy to so many of us. It didn't take us long as we sort of waded into the project to realize we had a, a serious issue to unpack. So what I would like to leave listeners thinking about and what we use in our material is every time you've got a cat sitting on your lap, think about one that's living on the street because the numbers are equal. We have an equal number of cats who we live with as to those who are living on the street. And while we use the word feral and some people think, oh, cats are wild animals, they can survive on the street. In my heart, nobody is ever going to make me believe that that's really true. To me, yes, they can survive on the street. They are survivalists. But I think after 10,000 years, a cat is relatively happier when it has a person to, to boss around. So that's just a personal footnote. We have a very large problem. It needs attention. It needs better policy and, and legislation. But in the end of the day, 
in my Walt Disney world where everything is perfect, I would love to be able to end feline homelessness. And it's possible. I believe it is possible with the right package of community programs, our toolkits, very aggressive trap new to return programs. I think that I'm not saying we're not going to have any cats outdoors. I think we will always have indoor outdoor cats, but I think that they will be guardians for most of these cats out there. I pray that you're right. It would be a beautiful day. And in the meantime, we'll just do the work. And I think Catnip Nation, the documentary, is a tool for that. And I think that the more we're having this conversation, the better. Tina, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I hope we'll have you on in the future when the documentary is done. It'll be our pleasure. Thank you for listening to a Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 